I'm Jack Draper. Shout out to Quality Shot Tennis. Hey guys, and welcome back to the channel. Novak Djokovic. He wins his 23rd slam, an historic moment beating Kasparud in the Roland Garros final in straight sets. An entertaining final, even though it was only straight sets in the end. Novak Djokovic is overtaking Nadal. Nadal and himself are on 22 slams for the first time in his career. He is leading the Grand Slam race. And let's be honest, even myself as a Nadal fan, Djokovic is going to be the one at the top. And it's just a matter of how many slams are there between Nadal and himself. Uh, he is the leader now. He is not only the person with the most grand slams, he's got all these other incredible accolades, which we'll get into in a second. And look, it was an incredible performance. He now has his eyes set on the kind of slam. He had it in 2021. He was one match away, lost to Medvedev in the US Open 2021 final. Wimbledon, he'll be a huge favorite. US Open, he'll be the favorite as well. We know US Open can be a bit weird. But look, I mean, if you're a Djokovic fan, you must be absolutely jubilant. If you're a tennis fan, you must be jubilant like myself. It was so impressive how he won. So what we're going to do in this video is a few things. I'll timestamp it as well so you guys can reference whatever you want to. But first, we're just going to go through some of the stats and the accolades and uh, what, what kind of records he's broken and what history he's made. Uh, then I'm going to talk about the match as well. So just do a little bit of a post-match analysis on it and how that played out. Uh, so let's first of all talk about what this means uh, because he is now atop of the mountain. Uh, he's always been chasing. And he said in his post-match conference that, you know what? I am inspired by Nadal and Federer. I've always been inspired by them as I was coming up. I was always thinking about how I was going to beat them. And, you know, he said I was always chasing. And now he's in a position where he's the he's the best, and he's such a humble guy as well. To be fair, he's a class act. He is. And they asked him and said, you know, are you the greatest ever? Which, let's be honest, statistically, he is now. Uh, if your definition not of the greatest ever is someone who is the best and has you know won all the accolades, then it's him. Uh, you know, I think we have to be honest. Currently, he is the goat, and I don't see that changing in my lifetime. In honesty. Uh, you know, if it's based more upon the sense of feeling you get when watching someone, the eye test, etc., and then you know, maybe it's someone else. And I know a lot of people say about about Federer, um, the Dahl fans will be saying, you know, he's got an Olympic medal, etc. But let's be frank, I think Djokovic, in my eyes anyway, in my opinion, he is the GOAT at the moment. And he's only going to win more slams. I can't see him stopping in the next four or five years, maybe. In all honesty, so there's a lot uh, for him yet to win, I'd imagine. And the issue for the other players on tour is that everyone thought it might be a bit of a passing of the torch, but he's now just won the first few slams of the year, and he's so good at Wimbledon. The other guys are going to be scared because he's adapted his game for longevity, and it's frightening. It's honestly frightening, uh, and the other guys are scared of him in best of five. He said it after. He said, look, I've got the mental edge on these guys because they are scared to play me in a best of five. They fear me. And he said, that's a good thing to have. Of course, it's a good thing to have. And he'll be happy about that. That's for sure. Okay, let's get into some of these incredible stats, incredible achievements. So most men's singles grandstand titles, we know that, 23. Most Australian Open titles at 10. 
most weeks ranked uh, as the ATP number one ever at 387 weeks. He's now just become world number one, of course, as well. Uh, he overtakes Alcaraz after winning the title at Roland Garros. He's won all slams at least three times now, which is amazing, by the way. I, I mean, incredible, genuinely. Like, every slam he's won at least three times. It just shows what a versatile and what a dynamic player he is. He has all the tools he can play in different ways, and his style is suited for all surfaces. And he can tweak it and adapt it in certain ways, but it's serviceable in all surfaces. It's not just serviceable, it's, you could argue, it's the style. He is the greatest ever. Now, I think you have to have a certain physique and a certain mentality probably as well, along with it, of course. And that is where he really does excel in that fighting spirit. But his game transcends surfaces. And that's just how good he is. And you can say the same about Nadal and Federer as well. I get that. But we have to talk about him because he is the man right now. And and as I said, I don't see that change. I actually only think he's going to continue to consolidate it more and more and more. Uh, He's the only man to hold all four slams at once on three different surfaces. Uh, Most Masters titles, so that's Masters 1000 titles at 38. Uh, Career Golden Masters twice, so that's winning all of the Masters titles in the calendar. He's done that twice. Most men's singles Grand Slam finals reached at 34. Pretty impressive, 23 out of 34. A lot of those finals were against the Dalit running Garros as well, I think. So, you know, that's saying something. And then most ATP year-end number one finishes at seven. So, look, some incredible titles. Also, a little interesting tidbit as well. Grand Slam titles at January 1st, 2011. So, that was, you know, just over 12 years ago now. Roger Federer was on 16 slams. Nadal was on nine slams. And Djokovic on one. Right, because Djokovic had won his uh, Grand Slam title in 2008, if you remember. And then it took him another three years to win his next one in 2011. So in the 12 years that span from January 1st, 2011 to now, Djokovic has won 22 Grand Slams, Federer 4, Nadal 13. Incredible stat. He's also won the most number of slams in his 30s out of the three as well, uh, which is pretty impressive. I think he's won 11 slams in his 30s, and Nadal on 8. So... (sighs) I mean, it says a lot. It really does. Honestly, he's just a phenom. He he genuinely is. And he's only getting better as well. Like, yes, there's certain things that he might not be able to do uh, that, you know, he was able to do when he was in his 20s, for example, at his physical peak. But he's adapted his game so that he has bigger and more powerful weapons. And he's now built for longevity. And he can play in different ways. It's just... How do you beat him? How do you beat him? He The last time he lost a Grand Slam match was last year against Nadal at Ronan Garros in the quarterfinals. The last time he lost to someone who wasn't Nadal at Ronan Garros was US Open 2021 final. It, 2021 we're talking about. I mean, unbelievable. Absolutely phenomenal, honestly. Absolutely phenomenal. So... He also did manage to play a couple of the slams as well because of the whole you know issue around the vaccination status, etc. So I am almost gobsmacked because I just feel like 
he's in this position now where it's so difficult to know when he's going to stop. And you know, they asked him after, you know, are you going to retire? And he's like, why would I think about retiring? I've just won a slam. I'm looking forward to Wimbledon. Uh, and rightly so. Like, why is he going to want to stop? A lot of people might think, well, the motivation isn't there. But his motivation now will be making his own history before it was chasing history, chasing uh, Federer and then chasing Nadal. Now it's, you know what? I've overtaken them. I'm going to make my own history and make it so hard for anyone to catch me. And it's just incredible. Absolutely incredible. I can't think of enough superlatives to describe Djokovic genuinely. It's just astounding, honestly. It really is. And when I saw him last year as well against TFO and the, at the Labour Company dismantled him, do check out my video, by the way, on that. I did a real deep dive and did analysis on his game uh, where I really looked into... Uh, with some supplemented uh, f video footage that I took myself of the match. Uh, obviously, very short clips. And, yeah, I mean, he played really well in that match. It was a best of three, beat him straight sets, looked really, really good on a super slow surface, similar to Roland Garros in pace, to be fair. And I watched him, and he just made everything look so easy. But it wasn't. And he's just precise, efficient, and almost like a well-oiled machine, honestly. And there's this grace about him as well, where he doesn't look robotic, to be fair. He looks elegant when he plays. Uh, and it's a different type of elegance to a Federer. I think Nadal has his own kind of variety of that as well. It's more kind of rugged elegance, you'd say. Uh, but Djokovic is just, he has this air of confidence about him when he plays. And it's almost a arrogance, which is a good thing, because all the top players have an arrogance, by the way. All the elite players have an arrogance. An arrogance about him that he is the man. He is the best player on the court at any given time, no matter who he's playing. That's the feeling you get uh, from him. And he has that belief. He really does. Uh, let's touch upon the final then. And we'll wrap it up because I don't want to bore you guys too much. <laughs> but I think for Djokovic, it was an interesting final. He started off pretty slowly. Uh, and it was interesting because I thought he would it would be the opposite after he started off really quickly against Alcaraz. Uh, he like blew Alcaraz away in the opening exchanges in the semi-final. Against Hachanov, he started off slow. And that's something that historically has happened, especially in really important finals. But then he recovers... And it was a similar story here. He was down very quickly at three love, which you know, would have been a surprise. It was only in a single break, but still three love down. Then he came back after being 4-1 down the first set to 4-3. And Djokovic then at 3-4 had to save a break point. Uh, Rude, to be fair, didn't step up in that sense and got taken to a tiebreaker, which Djokovic dominated 7-1. He just locked down, didn't make a single unforced error. And he definitely stepped up his game in that in that tiebreaker. In the first set, what happened is he looked a bit physically uh, fatigued for some reason. He looked like he might be cramping. And he wasn't really hitting through the board. He wasn't timing it that well, maybe because of those physical issues. But yeah, just wasn't ripping the ball like you'd expect from him. The surface was very slow, as it always is at Roland Garros. But it was, because it was so humid, the ball wasn't really flying through as much as it was, say, against Alcaraz. You'd say. So I think 
for him, he was struggling to really get to grips with it. And he was struggling, I think, physically. There were a couple of times where he stopped when it wasn't a a changeover and Rude completed the chair on by a couple of times, uh, saying that, you know, he's done this a couple of times. He's stopping me from serving. So, look, Djokovic was struggling, but what he managed to do in the end in that set was not miss. And then use his legs, use his stamina, his offensive capabilities to come out on top because Rude was playing really well, I thought, at the start. He was serving well, his forehand was firing, he was managing to hit the ball really deep with a lot of spin and it was come is rearing up on Djokovic and he wasn't liking taking it at shoulder height. And he was dictating proceedings, Rude. Uh, and he looked very, very good. He's coming forward to the net. I liked him coming forward as well. Uh and I said in my preview that he'd come forward at the right times, I thought, and he did for the most part. Djokovic also missed a couple of overheads uh, in the early exchanges, really easy overheads they shanked, <clears throat> which you could argue is probably the only weakness or perceived weakness in his in his game. Uh, honestly, like the rest of his game, pretty flawless um, when when it's firing. Uh, so that was interesting to see, uh, but no surprise really there. And then to see him fight back also wasn't surprising. Uh, Rude definitely dropped his level a little bit, I thought as well. At 30-40 in that 3-4 game, you know, it was a case of like, look, he needs to break back now. He 5-3, he served for the set. And he didn't manage to convert. He wasn't clinical. Of course, at 4-1 up as well in the first set, you're thinking, okay, he should really go on to win this. Djokovic, though, as he always does, came back and proved that there's a reason why he's the GOAT. <laughs> Genuinely, that's what he proved. And he knew he wasn't playing that well in the first set, but he still managed to find a way to win, and that's what great players do. Uh, second set, it was one-way traffic. Djokovic started playing really well um, in the start of the second set. He was moving a lot better. The forehand was firing. Serve was firing, and it kind of felt like he started to find his rhythm. And Rude decided making a lot of mistakes as well, uh, which was interesting because... Especially on the backhand side, like in the first set, the backhand to backhand, Rude was actually sticking with him in a lot of a lot of exchanges, and then he'd open up on the forehand uh, quite early. And actually, in the first set, especially, he was winning the forehand cross court exchanges. Rude was getting Djokovic on the run on the forehand, and Djokovic was struggling. Actually, he was tending to try and almost go for broke flat down the line, not really sticking with them and being patient. In the second and third sets. Djokovic's forehand went from I'd like to see the tennis insights on this it went from a maybe a 6 I would say out of 10 to a 9 out of 10 like genuinely or 8.5 maybe it was that good especially and in the third set I mean there are moments where it was sublime honestly like one that incredible like genuinely incredible how well he was hitting the forehand and it was just it was, it was amazing to see uh, but yeah, second and third sets, the forehand started firing. He was crunching, especially the forehand cross, hitting winners, sticking with rude forehands, forehand, then just out hitting him from the back of the court. Uh, it was just too much power, literally too much power. He was hitting with more topspin as well, uh, more pace and more coverage over the net, and it was making a big, big difference, I thought. And he just looked a lot more comfortable. Uh, timing the ball was so incredible. You're returning a lot better deep into court. Rude was struggling a bit more with his returning after the first set He, where he returned really well, I thought. Especially the second set return, he started missing a few more second set returns. Not really being as uh, you know, as efficient, as effective with the backhand return as well. 
before he was kind of hitting with with shape and loop, but it wasn't a lob. And then he went to kind of lob in the second set, and then he thought, okay, that's not really working for the return, so let me go back to doing what I did in the first place. But he then kind of went the other extreme and went a bit flatter. Uh, and then the return started dropping short a little bit. Djokovic was kind of completely dominating then those type of exchanges. Uh, first set as well, of course, Rude, the drop shot was working well, I thought. And he was getting to Djokovic's drop shots. There's some incredible rallies. Uh, one which Rude actually managed to win uh, with a tweener, uh, tweener lob actually in the end um, after... Yeah, a drop shot from Djokovic, a lob as well, and Rude doing really, really well in that rally. With some really good exchanges at the net, Rude, you know, held his own, I thought, on that first set specifically. Second set, he got blown away a little bit, but the third set, he did hold his own. There were no breaks of serve until 5 all, And Casper Rude looked really, really good uh, up until then, that 5 all game, because, you know, he was holding serve. Yes, he had to... He had to fight off some break points, but he held firm and he came up clutch in big moments, serving big. But Djokovic's serve, I mean, he had a lot of easy service games in the third set, especially wrapping through them all, like with speed, honestly. And his serve down the tee, especially, was hitting his spots, hitting aces. And the forehand, are oh, the forehand, just so good. Uh, and Rude started to struggle to dictate with his own forehand because Djokovic was outpowering him from the back of the court. And the angles Djokovic were finding were incredible. Uh, started to come forward more as well. From the second set onwards, he started to serve and volley more. I was surprised he didn't do that much in the first set. Um, but he started to, I guess, hit his spots more in the second set onwards. So that's why he felt more comfortable coming forward to the net. And yeah, I mean, it was a clinical performance in the end from Djokovic. Not the easiest by any stretch. It was definitely challenging physically and mentally by the looks of it. But what he did is he showed us his toolkit. He showed us all the different things he can do. And that was kind of almost enveloped in one match. So we got a bit of a treat in that sense. And yeah, amazing performance from Novak Djokovic. Let's see how he gets on at Wimbledon. But for Kasparud, obviously heartbreak because it was his third no, Grand Slam final. And again, he fell short. He said after, obviously, you know, hopefully I'll get a better player in the final. And I don't blame him because or an easier player after playing Nadal last year, Roland Garros, then Djokovic in this one, and then Alcaraz, who was on fire in New York. I think he needs to have a bit more belief in himself. And it was good to see him really hold firm in that third set and really push Djokovic to try and fight as hard as he could for it. He played his best level. And there's definitely an obvious gap, I think, in skill level. But he played a really good level. Uh, and look, he can definitely improve his game and he continue to do so. But there might just be a case of, you know what? He might not have the level ever to beat someone like a Djokovic uh, at this uh, this version of Djokovic anyway. And, you know, sometimes that happens. Uh, but anyways, thank you very much, guys, for tuning in. Do appreciate it. Do hit that like button. Do subscribe if you're new. We'll see you on the next video. We have some review bits coming out, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, looking forward to seeing you guys in the comment section.